Welcome back to Mondays Down South presented by Seams Media here coming at you after week one of the NFL. Um, back with the, uh, the try box, if you will. No sigh this week. Uh, I trust he's having an amazing trip back in India. So we got returning guests and I think seven time home league fantasy football champion. But we lose track at this point. Zach Klein, um, who is flanked by zero time home league champion Zach Bakulik. But... Who pulled off a week one Texas sized Dallas defense and special teams sized drubbing of the uh, defending champ in week one? So I'll give I'll give Klein the first word as the guest, and then Zach can uh, can join in and maybe do some smack talking. But Klein, how we doing? Good man, it's great to be back. Great to be back on the show. Uh, it's always good to chop it up with you guys and just kind of talk about what stuff that's going on, stuff that you guys are thinking. It's good to hear you guys' opinions on stuff. Um, really happy football's back, you know, really excited to keep grinding, keep watching football, um, keep diving into fantasy stuff from there. So yeah, Bakulik, I, I gotta let you roll this one. You, you rolled my team over this week, so if anything you want to say, it's fair game, take your shot. It's probably the first time you've ever beaten me. I can, man. I wish I could, Klein. And this is my one opportunity to actually talk as much smack as I possibly can, because if, uh, there's, you know, any innuendo of how the last... 15 seasons of our fantasy football league have gone. Zach Klein has beaten me, steamrolled me every single time so badly that Klein, I had to actually negotiate with you the one time I got to the championship just to say, hey man, let's just go 50-50 on this no matter who wins or loses. I think I was even projected the more points in that fantasy football championship. I can't remember, but Zach of course responded back and said, no deal. We're gonna we're gonna go. Uh, the loser gets the, the pansy $10 back and the winner gets over $400 and you know, obviously he, he clubbed me there. So it's always nice getting a, a week one victory. But uh, I can't talk to Matt Klein because I didn't really select my team. And also, who would have predicted that Dallas's defense was going to go off for 40 points? I mean, my goodness. So I guess I should really be thanking Daniel Jones and company as opposed to uh, ridiculing you to the high heavens. I will I would like to you know give a little point out, but uh, Garrett Jacobek's team is awful. I mean, it's... It's it's downright atrocious, and at this point, it's I'm concerned for for his team's well-being. And I think Evan, as the commissioner, we might need to look at replacing him as a as a possible member with 50 points. Uh, I can't wait to do the cleanup this this week, week two, and really put him out of his misery. So I just wanted to bring that up, and uh, and obviously, I'm sure he'll see this. I love it. A relegation format, perhaps, with uh, Garrett being on the hook for the uh, the first year, but. Uh... I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll send him the click, the clip, and uh, and see how it goes. But uh, but yeah, Dallas Dallas defense. What are they? Second highest score of the week behind uh, Tyreek Hill, and maybe Tua, so maybe third. But uh, I mean, hey, what can you do? Tip your cap. But uh, um, I guess we'll jump into it. Uh, before we do that, um, for those that are watching on YouTube, please do us a favor, like the video, and subscribe. And for those on Spotify, hit us with a follow. We got a new link this year, so if you have followed in the past. Just make sure you're still following us because it might have uh, might have dropped last year. But uh, yeah, so I guess we'll start off with some of the key headlines. Um, I guess not much coming out of week one. 
Um, the biggest one, obviously, Aaron Rodgers uh, confirmed torn Achilles um, like four plays into his Jets debut after a super hype running out with the American flag on uh, on 9-11 uh, moment there for the Jets and then just like pure misery um, in true Jets fashion. So um, I guess I'll start Klein. Like what's your reaction to the injury and I guess how it impacts, uh, you know, the Jets outlook this year? Well, my initial reaction that kind of flipped it since then is that this, this might have probably was the last time we were going to see Aaron Rodgers playing in the NFL. That was my first thought. I think I've probably swept around on that. You know, you're looking at a guy who's never been mobile. He's always pretty much been a pocket passer. An Achilles injury or an Achilles tear is going to be really bad for anybody who's explosive like J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers, anyone like that. Um, probably less so for a quarterback. So I'm wondering now, he did sign on, he's on a three-year contract, so he's, he's going to have another two years after this year. I'm wondering with a full year of recovery, is is he going to be back and is he going to be ready to go for week one next year? So I, I thought this was going to be the end in the beginning, but maybe not so much now. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Klein. You know, where my head immediately goes is, are they going to go in-house or out-of-house at quarterback? Um, obviously, Zach Wilson, you know, we all watch Hard Knocks. Played really well. He played probably really well because he didn't have the pressure on him anymore, like he did the year prior. And and so I'm I'm curious to see what he's going to do with this team. Um, but you know all the pieces are there. I mean Robert Salah knows this. Uh, it's why he was super energetic this entire off season. You can just feel the excitement in the locker room, bringing in Dalvin Cook, bringing in these superstars, kind of as this final push. Right, the defense is there, the offensive line for the most part is there. They've got a lot of studs. Um, so. With all the pieces put together, now obviously their quarterback goes down. Do you go out of house, bring a guy like um, you know, Jaco- Jacoby Brissett in or something like that, even like a, a game manager who's not going to necessarily make the mistakes that Zach Wilson, you know, doesn't have as much upside as Zach Wilson, but is clearly not going to turn the ball over as much as he is, is going to. And so it, it opens the idea for, you know, hey, do we bring in a veteran quarterback um, like a Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan type of player to kind of fill those shoes. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Personally, I think they should rock with Zach Wilson. Um, he's just got too much tremendous upside. I think it's worth taking the risk, even though the lock, everybody else is there and the talent's obviously there. But I'll kind of open it up to you. What do you think they should do, in-house or out-of-house? Yeah, I'm sticking with Zach Wilson. I'm here for the Zach Wilson resurgence. Um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get the full year to learn from Aaron Rodgers or the full two years. But uh, I don't know, even in the short time, and Aaron will still be in the, the locker room and helping him out on the sideline, I'm sure. So I'm here for the resurgence. Obviously, they need to bring someone in, um, you know, for the backup role. Um, and, yeah, if, if it doesn't go well with Zach, you know, you always have that guy there that can step in and, and do more of the game managing. But I'm here for Zach Wilson. I liked uh, the one thing I, I heard was uh, that Garrett Wilson touchdown, that little fade. That was actually a run play that Zach Wilson like just said. Eh, he looked out to the side and said, "Nah, I'm gonna throw the fade to Garrett." And it wasn't a very good throw, but uh, just an unbelievable catch by Garrett. So you know, hoping we see more of that. But uh, I like that kind of moxie there, um, you know, coming in off the bench. So we'll see. Any uh, think they can still make the playoffs here with uh, with whoever's that quarterback? I'm gonna tell you, my lean is no just because of everything that's going to have to go right <laughs> otherwise. You, you know, we're talking about Zach Wilson here. We have two years of experience of what this guy is like as a quarterback. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, like, at pretty much every position other than quarterback, this team is ready to rock. I mean, this team was ready to make a playoff push. They had Super Bowl aspirations. They wanted this so badly. You know, I think Robert Saul is a really good coach. They had probably one of the best defenses in the league. You know, 
I think you can still get pretty far with all of those other pieces, right? You know, Brees Hall looking good coming back off of his ACL tear. Like, this team was ready to rock. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're still in the hunt trying to make it for the, like, close to the playoffs. But I think a lot of those dreams have been dashed. I agree. I think the dreams are dashed too, but I'll take, I'll take it a different angle. I think their division is the best division in football right now. I mean, the way Miami came out and played in SoFi Stadium against the Chargers, who I also think are going to be elite with a completely healthy Justin Herbert, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be any team to play with this, this year, especially on the offensive end. There's no way the Jets can keep up with them offensively. And, uh, you know, obviously with the Patriots, um, Patriots are probably the worst team in that division. I think we can all kind of all agree on that. But they even kept it close with Philly. And, I mean, you know, Philly is, I think, going to be a lethal perennial player this year. So when you take into consideration all the AFC East teams, I think the Bills are going to come for vengeance when it's in Buffalo. So uh, based on all of those factors and considerations, Ev, there's just no way the Jets are going to make the playoffs this season. I mean, let's be frank. Yeah, I don't think I had them in the playoffs before, to be honest, even with Aaron, which I'm pretty sure was a mistake after seeing that week one game and that they won it even without him. But I think it's going to be tough. I think they'll be in the mix, though. I think they'll be in the mix. Like you guys said, that, that rest of it, the whole team is just so loaded. Um, you know, you can you don't need a ton on offense when your defense is that good. So we'll see. But switching gears, I guess, um, I don't know if there's too many other major, like major, major headlines. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, another, uh, another Achilles uh, goes down for the year. Um, I've never been a J.K. Dobbins fan, but early indications were that he was going to be a huge factor in that offense um, this year. So I don't know. Do you, does that you know kind of move the needle uh, for Baltimore um, at all for you guys? Probably not a ton, if if at all. Um, I I was actually very excited for J.K. Dobbins this year. I had a really high best ball exposure in him. Um, I thought he was going to be the clear one A back in this offense with a probably a pretty good chance of having a pass down pass down role. Um, and then with I I think contrary to Evan's belief prior from prior shows, I am very high on the Baltimore offense, and I still am despite you know week one not probably being the heights that everyone would have hoped for. Um, so I thought this was going to be a really fast-paced offense, and I was really optimistic J.K. Dobbins would be there. Um, but, you know, not likely going to happen, and I think the other guys that they're going to bring in, you know, they're going to be just fine because they're going to run in the scheme, and they're going to be – they will be serviceable. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Klein as well on the J.K. Dobbins front. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to see a guy like that go down. That's probably all i got to say about it, Ev. Yeah, I don't think it changes much for me. And um, as Klein pointed out, I do appreciate all the comments on the uh, short last week. But haters, haters, I am seeing the comments. And I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk week one as a win for me on that take because Lamar did not look too good in that game. Um, so mine is less a major potential overreaction and more, I'm going to say, a correction on my predictions uh, picks for this division in our season preview. Um, so my reaction is that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win that uh, that division. We got a Falcons fan on the that. line. Yeah, Tell I picked this. Tell me why. Why do you think so, they are? So I just I don't think that division is particularly good. None of the teams overly impressed me. I picked the Saints kind of by default in our uh, season preview. Um, but um, I just think that the Falcons are a nice young team. I, I mean, the run game, I think, is going to be just incredibly hard to stop. The problem is I hate Desmond Ritter. I think he's terrible. Um, but I think, like, Heineke could lead him in the playoffs. I think once they hopefully get London and Pitts more involved, 
Like, I think the defense is going to be solid. Um, offensive line's okay. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's more about the weakness in the rest of the division, but I just love the uh, Algier-Bijan combo um, to uh, surpass the Saints. And uh, I guess the Bucks looked a little better, but I'm going with the Falcons there in that division. That's my overreaction to week one. Let me ask you guys a quick question on that. Is Drake London just not good, or is Arthur Smith just so incredibly intelligent that we're using him as a decoy? Because the run game is completely set up. When you have um, Algier and you have Bijan Robinson averaging six yards a carry, I mean, and they, and they both got quite a bit of touches in that game. Is it just the offensive line going against a pretty respectable defense? Like, is it just our players are so talented in the backfield? Or is it the fact that Jeremy Chen and guys like you know, and Carolina's secondary can't creep up, stick nine in the box, and be able to stuff the run immediately. It's like they're forced to. It's they're forced to respect the Drake London, who was a first round pick. They're forced to respect Kyle Pitts, first round pick. But these guys are not really putting up numbers, and they've actually become fantasy football liabilities. Honestly, at this point, especially Pitts. So I guess my question to you is: Is Drake London just really not that good, or is he just? really that good, really that respected, and they're using him in a way to kind of set up the run game. I think Drake London is, and really even Kyle Pitts, because we've seen them in spurts be really good. It's down the back stretch of last year, Drake London was excellent when he was the only guy in the passing game. Um, and Kyle Pitts was really good his rookie year, putting with a thousand yards, over a thousand yards as a rookie. I just think that this is exactly how Arthur Smith wants to play football like he wants to run the ball until you cannot run the ball anymore because you've fallen in the end zone um i mean everything from the offensive line as a run blocking unit they are designed to get up the field and make blocks and you know create holes for these guys who are going to be in the backfield um and the other point i have on that is that like i just don't think there's any trust in desmond ritter like you can't you know, you have a, can't have a guy throw, drop back 18 times and say, yeah, we trust you to get anything done on the field here. Like, everyone can tell, like, you know, Arthur Smith does not trust this guy. He's not the long-term answer at quarterback. And it's what makes it even weirder is that they spent that such high draft capital to get Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So it's it's a really confusing situation, but it's something that, you know, everyone's just going to have to deal with because this is what Arthur Smith wants. And, and when you're playing a team like Caroline, who's a young team, and they're not going to be able to foot up as much of a fight um, and you can kind of impose your will on them, you know, that's exactly how you can see a game going. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, in today's NFL, I do think you maybe, you know, need a little bit more speed than Drake London has to be kind of a high reception, like elite level receiver would be my only critique, um, or you need to be like a super elite route runner. So, but overall, I think it's more just scheme. And Kyle Pitts, like, he does a lot else for the offense. I mean, like you mentioned, kind of being a decoy in some sense. But my understanding is he's done a pretty good job from a blocking standpoint. Um, so, you know, it doesn't turn up in fantasy usage. But, um, you know, he does a lot of other things well. So, um, but, yeah, you guys go an overreaction or appropriate reaction on that? I call it an appropriate reaction. I mean, this division is pretty much a toss-up. Yeah. I would say an overreaction still. I love the pick, Evan, and I want them to win the division, but for some reason I still think Carolina is going to come out on top. I, I just think once Bryce oh. Young figures it out, he was the first overall draft pick for a reason. Let me ask you guys this. Who has the best division in that, uh, or who has the best defense in that division? Oh. Panthers. 
best offensive line in that division. It's not the Panthers. It's not the Panthers. It's not the Panthers. Yeah, it's not the even, Panthers. Yeah, even New Orleans has a way better offensive line than Carolina. I mean, they just drafted that kid from NC State as left tackle. They've got Moton at right tackle. Yeah, I don't know. I just think once Bryce Young is able to figure it out, I just think Carolina, for some reason, could make a push. But, uh, I mean, I love the pick, Evan. I love the pick, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm not a big Bryce Young fan. That's not an overreaction to week one. That's just been my stance the entire time. So, But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's so a good I figured still. if I'm going to be sitting in the seat, and replace his side, I have to pay a little <laughs> bit of an homage to him. And my my overreaction is that Anthony Richardson is going to lead the Colts to the playoffs and win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Oh. So I really feel this way. You know, I, I, if you guys watched the game or at least saw it on Red Zone, I thought it was a really promising start. Like, he did not look overmatched. It's very clear that, you know, he is the focal point of the offense. He's going to get every little carry, every touch, every RPO, every downfield pass that he can handle. And, I mean, he looked very comfortable, I thought. Like, I thought it was a really good performance with him, despite the fact that they have, like, no weapons outside of Michael Pittman. Still no Jonathan Taylor for a couple of weeks, so I think he's going to come back. Um, and probably a worse into line than what, he's, than what Indianapolis had in the past. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about, like, the most athletic quarterback come through the combine. We're talking about a guy who has that dual threat capability, and he has Shane Steichen. You know, that's a guy who you can trust that every week he's going to have a game plan that puts him in the best position to succeed. And if, if you dive into, like, some more of the advanced stuff, they played at a really fast pace. Um, so that means, you know, you get to the line. Anthony Richardson does not have to, like, you know, try and process the defense as a whole, try and understand where everyone's alignment are. Like, they can just focus on executing the play, gaining positive yards, and pushing it down the field. So I think this is a really good spot for him. Um, if you think of it just the way, like, you can see from the first week already, like, he's probably already a lot further along than the, the other two rookie quarterbacks. And that would really only leave Bijan for the rookie of the year part. You know, if you have <laughs> Anthony Richardson, who's getting the same amount of carries as Bijan in a, in a given week, you know, that is going to probably push him forward. And especially if that other part of my take follows through where they make it to the playoffs, I think he's a lock for rookie of the year. That's really interesting. It kind of goes back to my point of why the, the Chargers could have some trouble sneaking into the playoffs is when you have a team like the Indianapolis Colts who play in a, a much easier division. We're talking they could possibly steal two from Houston, maybe even steal two from Tennessee. They played themselves a great game. I mean, you know, I almost wanted to put an asterisk next to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they I just think they're really that good. I think they played a great team in the Indianapolis Colts, um, and Anthony Richardson looked incredible. I mean, that team, that team looks great. They have limited options, and so I guess the longer that Jonathan Taylor's out, if they can win a couple of games, I think he's definitely the clear front runner. So I would agree with that. Ev, what about you? Didn't you, like, bury the Colts last week, Zach? And now you're just going to flip after one game? Come on, man. I, what I are we doing here? Because <laughs> I, I hadn't really seen Anthony Richardson play. And he did make mistakes, and he missed some throws. But I think what Zach's alluding to is just, like, the, the way he played. Like, he commanded the offense. I mean, you're right. He looked like he had been in the NFL for much longer than both Stroud and Bryce Young. And I know he's going to continue to make mistakes, but he just seemed like a little bit more confident. He wasn't afraid to make certain throws. And it, it seemed like they kind of opened the offense out for him a little bit. Um, and from a dual threat capability, I mean, he's unstoppable. He's by far the best out of the new quarterback class. So I will switch my take around, Ev, but it just took me one game to actually watch him for me to, to see the potential there, whereas previously I didn't really have that opportunity. 
right. All right. So my, I'm going to say, so my take, I actually had the Anthony Richardson take as well. So I have to, I have to go half and half on Klein though, because I think, um, it's a big overreaction on the team as a whole. I, I don't think they sniff the playoffs. Um, by any means. I mean, I think the Jaguars are going to run away with that division by like week eight or nine. Like, I think they're just going to cruise. Um, I think the wild card is too taxed. So I think it's a big overreaction on the team uh, making the playoffs. I could definitely see offensive rookie of the year. Um, that would not surprise me at all. Um, and then my kind of overreaction uh, was on Anthony Richardson. This one is like way out there probably. Um, but I think he could potentially win an MVP at some point during his career. Um, for similar reasons, Klein mentioned, he has that Cam Newton vibe. I love leaning into guys that seem to be really res- well-respected in the locker room and well-liked by their teammates. And he seems like an awesome, hardworking dude. Um, Shane Steichen, like Klein mentioned, um, obviously it's a bold take to say someone's going to win an MVP because there's only one to go around. Um, and they usually go to the same guys, but, um, I think it's a tremendous start just to reiterate what, uh, what you guys have mentioned. So. That was my overreaction, but uh, I do have to fade the Colts as a team this year. All right, well, mine is that the Buffalo Bills are going to miss the playoffs and Sean McDermott will be fired in the season. Oh! Ooh, (laughs) that is spicy. (laughs) So, I I believe I heard Michael Wilbon, you know, great PTI sportscaster, once say about Josh Allen. He's got that Charlie Brown in him. You know, in four turnovers and five sacks against... Opposite of Zach Wilson-led team, kind of like we were talking about in the beginning a lot. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, this guy, he loves turning the ball over. He loves screwing up in a big moment, right? Um, and it doesn't seem like Ken Dorsey, who's the OC last year, now going into the second year, it doesn't seem like they can figure out any sort of offensive scheme that doesn't involve force-feeding Stefan Diggs low-quality downfield targets, which, you know, is okay against crap teams. But when you're playing against defenses like the Jets, it's a lot less viable. No one else in this receiving game is stepping up to catch any passes. I'm really not crazy about Dalton Kincaid, who's going to be the rookie tight end. Who's They're, they're playing this like 11.5 personnel setup where he's like a sort of slot receiver, tight end hybrid type thing. I don't think that's not looking too great. Um, they're also relying on a 190-pound running back in James Cook to try and carry like the workload um, ahead of you know someone like Josh Allen, um, but they're not really using him as much in the important uh, you know in the pass game moments. So they took him off the field to bring on Latavius Murray to run like the pass catching situations, and then also in the two minute offense. So I don't think this is really working out, and they're gonna have to figure this out quick. Like they're gonna have a couple bounce back games. I think six of their next nine are winnable games, but. If you take a look at their schedule to close this season, their last seven games are the Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins. That's how they close the season. So if you get six wins out of those first couple of games and you get, you know, a bad run where you go like three and four, I mean, you're talking about like a nine win team who probably won't make the playoffs if that's the case. Um, I think as a general macro trend, this team is plateaued. They're not getting any better. It's, you know, it's gotten very stagnant for them. Their defense is declining as well. And I think that's going to the end of Dumb McDermott. Or, yeah, Sean McDermott. What do you think, Zach? That, that's an interesting take. I, I immediately disagreed with Klein, but actually the more I think about it, I think there's something there because – not because the talent's not there. The talent is obviously still there. Josh Allen, you almost have, you have to keep him unreleased. Like you have to like allow him to 
take those shots. Yes, there's going to be interceptions, but that's what makes Josh Allen great is he takes those risks. He's not a game manager in any, in any way, shape, or form. But what's interesting about what Klein mentioned is that the business, like the, the model for the Bills has remained consistent, right? They're not afraid to go five wide on a first down and be able to air it out. They've got those studs, Gabe Davis, Diggs. Um, but they have really no consistent running game. And obviously, you know, James Cook, he just his body type, you can't, you can't take on the 25, 30 carries a game. Not like they would do that anyways, but the model is out there. Defensive coordinators have had years now to adapt to that model. And it may have worked at one point in time, but I'm curious to see if it continues to work in the future. I, I would say it's a slight overreaction just because I think the Bills will figure it out. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. Um, that's quite the take. But uh, I do see where Klein is coming from in that defensive coordinators have been taking snapshots. And uh, I think they've been trying to adapt their defenses to be able to a- attack those type of offenses in the future. So, Ev, what's your, what's your take there? Yeah, I I think it's a bit of an overreaction from a making the playoffs standpoint, but I I'm intrigued. I and I had the I did have the Dolphins winning the division, so that certainly hasn't changed. Um, and you put them in that wild card mix, anything can happen. I mean, that was a bad loss. Like, um, you know, obviously the the Jets rallied around the Aaron Rodgers injury, but boy, that is one ugly way to lose a football game. And um, Gabe Davis is the guy for me, like you mentioned, that has to step up. Like last year, he had a lot of injuries. He was playing through injuries. Um, you know, can he actually be a reliable number two, you know, instead of just a, you know, kind of red zone, like, you know, size guy um, and big play kind of home run hitter? Um, I think that they really need that guy outside of dig so they can stop just, as this Klein mentioned, you know, force feeding him. So. We'll have to see, but not a good start for the Bills, and I'm sure Cy would Cy would love that take. He likes to fade the Bills. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Good overreaction. Should we jump into, I guess, just some general kind of recap, anything we didn't cover at the top? Um, the Lions, opening night, come out and beat the Chiefs. Kadarius Toney has the worst game by a wide receiver in NFL history, I think. Um, you know, we worried about the Chiefs at all? The Kelsey-less Chiefs after a week one loss to the Lions? Ultimately, I'm not, right? We're still talking about Pat Mahomes. We're still, I think Kelsey's going to be back probably this week. And like we said before, Chris Jones will be back too. I think probably one of the big problems they had, other than the terrible receiver play pretty much across the board, was that they were getting no pressure and they could not really stop anything in the run game from Detroit. Um, he was really just set up to run the ball really well. They have an excellent offensive line and Ben Johnson is their offensive coordinator. Um, it's probably going to be fine for the Chiefs. I'm really not worried about them. Zach? I would agree. I'm more worried about whoever's running Kadarius Tony's Twitter account. I hope it's not him, but he decided to flame the Giants to try to take the spotlight off of him. Ev, did you see this information? You know, he, uh, everyone was calling him Kadrapius. He obviously deserved the critique. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' ball to him that resulted in a pick six was literally right there. <laughs> Um, but what does Kadarius Tony do? Does he accept it and say, hey, that was my bad. I'm going to be better. Um, he just certainly didn't do it publicly. Instead, he flamed the Giants for their horrific performance and how happy he was to be traded from such a terrible organization. So, you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, Kadarius, you know, you can handle that situation one way or the other. But uh, I, I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine and not, not worried about them by any means. Yeah. Uh, 
Agre- agreed there. Uh, they need to figure out which receivers are going to step up, but it's usually just Kelsey anyway. So, so who cares? Um, Bengals Browns. Uh, any? Uh, I mean, the Bengals looked truly, truly horrendous as they did in Week One last year. Um, Joe Burrow coming off the injury in horrible weather. So, kind of a weird game. But you know, is this maybe moving the needle on the Browns? I mean, their ability to pound the football with Nick Chubb. Deshaun looked still not great, in my opinion, but he looked a little better than he did last year. And, um, and yeah, the defense looks amazing. So where are we at with those teams? I don't feel like we would really learned a ton about the Browns. Um, it's kind of like you just said, like it was pretty much as expected. Um, Deshaun Watson was fine, not great, not to the level we anyone really wants him to be at um, in terms of quality. Um, defense, yeah, really good. And just really is more so about the Bengals kind of face planting. You know, it's a common trend with, Joe Burrow's beginning of the season, like, they, they, they start off slow. And, you know, bringing this calf injury, everything looks a little out of sync. Everything's a little time, timing, just a little bit off across the board. Yep. And it really just manifested itself last week. Yeah, we'll see that. I, would, I would agree with that, too. I mean, one thing that's going to be interesting for the Browns is as they start to, you know, Nick Chubb is just incredible. He's an incredible ball player. He can tote the rock 30 times a game. Um, he runs with such a low center of gravity, he's not going to get hurt. I mean, he's a bowling ball, but he's got speed in him, too. It's, it's incredible to watch him play. I ultimately think that's going to set up Amari Cooper for an incredible season. He didn't have the, the greatest performance in week one, but that just goes to show you how deadly the Browns could be when they start to, that air attack and as Deshaun Watson starts to get, I guess, comfortable, more comfortable with, with the speed of play and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely embarrassing for the Bengals. I mean, I don't know what's more embarrassing, that loss or uh, – or the fact that Jamar Chase had, I guess, discuss, or I guess compared the Browns to being elves. I'm not sure if you saw that. Oh, um, dude, so good. Angry at himself <laughs> for losing to elves. I, it's not even close to being Christmas. I don't know what he's talking about, but uh, I, I might just fade the Bengals based off of that comment alone. But I, ultimately, in all seriousness, I think both teams are going to be fine. Um, I think the Browns uh, could make the playoffs though this season. I mean, their defense is stout, and they're just less volatile. There's not as much ups and downs. They don't have as high of a ceiling, I would say, as the Bengals, but um, they're less volatile, and I think that could be a good thing, needing consistency in the AFC North. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone, or at least not everyone, but like our three um, on our preview kind of faded the Browns, and I feel like everyone was kind of fading the Browns, but like that defense is so good. They have a great offensive line. Nick Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the game. Um, you know, they don't have a ton of receivers, but like Cooper and Elijah Moore kind of have a nice little balance if Elijah Moore can play well. Um, and like, that kind of puts it on Deshaun, right? But I feel like if Deshaun is just serviceable, like how are they not a playoff contender, even though I was fading them? So we'll have to see. But yeah, I'm not worried about the Bengals either. They're figured out. They do this every year. Uh, Bucks Vikings, we talked about, but the one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, the Bucks were super hyped to win that game and people are kind of on the Bucks train again now. But then it came out today, according to Rashad White, I believe, that uh, the Bucks knew the play calls that the Vikings were running on defense. At it kind of like late first half, throughout the entire second half, they knew they'll only put up twenty points. So like that's great, and you could like their you know calls on the field. So they knew when they were running cover two or cover three or whatever the case may be, and they still brag about knowing their calls. But you still only drop twenty points on a defense that's already, as Klein mentioned earlier, terrible to begin with. So. Ever since I heard that, we'll talk about it in the picks, but I'm fading the, uh, still fading the Bucks as I was before the season. Um, just so bizarre. Uh, Titans Saints, I don't think we need to talk about. That was such an awful game. Falcons, we talked about. Colts, Jags, we talked about a little bit. 49ers. Uh, Zach, we were on Pittsburgh to win that game. Absolute clown. 
absolute cloud <laughs> pick by both of us. A true disaster class in week one uh, picking. Um, the Niners look like a juggernaut. Uh, Purdy looks already back to his normal form. Ayuk looks like a stud. You know, what else to say? But they look like, you know, the best team in the NFL right now, I would have to say. Yeah, I'm so glad Sai is still in India because he would have absolutely <laughs> flamed us. Absolutely flamed us for that pick selection. Because I remember that. We both looked at each other. We were getting giddy with excitement. And I was like, am I actually going to do this? All right, sure. Let's go Pittsburgh. Why not? Pittsburgh's yeah. going to beat the 49ers. And boy, were we wrong. But um, uh, Eagles. Let's do Eagles and Cowboys together. One of my overreactions, I'll save it for here. I actually don't believe this. But I think it's a, a common reaction is that the Cowboys are, should now be the favorite to win that division after their unbelievable performance, specifically on defense, and the Eagles looking a little sluggish out of Foxborough. So what say you guys on, on those two teams? Starting with the Eagles, you know, I'm not too worried about them. There's no there's no I don't I don't think there was anything that really happened in that game that would make you say, wow, like this team is really gonna struggle or this team wasn't anywhere they were last year. I mean Bill Belichick had been like an entire offseason to plan for the the Eagles here, and they got out to the gate. The got out to the gate with a real fast start, especially with the defensive pick six. So I I do feel the Eagles probably pulled off the gas a little bit. You know, Pacers were able to climb their way back in. Jalen Hurts had another fumble at a big moment. Um, no, nah, I'm not worried about the Eagles. Um, I still think they're going to be a lot better than the Cowboys, and I'm really not willing to draw a lot of conclusions on the Cowboys whipping up on the Giants like that. I mean, that was just unbelievably unfair. The Giants look incredibly inept. <laughs> cool. I agree more, Ev. I, I agree exactly with Klein. I think this is definitely an overreaction um, with, with the Cowboy hype. And I think the Cowboys will return back to normalcy. They have a tendency of doing that. They also have a tendency of blowing teams out a couple of weeks during a season. Like, if, when you compare every NFL team – the Cowboys, from a point differential standpoint, will be a lot higher than others. But for some reason, their record's still kind of like right there in the middle of the pack. Um, so they do this every year. Uh, normally, it's kind of like during the middle of the season, especially when they play the Commanders. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not really worried about it either. And I still think the Philadelphia Eagles take that division, um, and they don't even sweat it. To be personal, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think the Eagles looked a little slow, so maybe there's a Super Bowl hangover, but I do agree with you guys um, on that. And then I want to move quickly here so we can get to picks in a reasonable time. Rams-Seahawks. Seahawks, huge disappointment in week one. Um, I had them as a playoff team. What do you guys think about that game and you know, kind of the outlook for those teams? Yeah, super disappointing from Seattle, like you said. Um, probably the big thing you know, other than the performance-wise, that they're going to lose. They lost their two offensive tackles, so things might not look much better for them here in the coming weeks. Um, like you, I had them probably in that wild-card spot, but that's that's already looking a little shaky from we, from the jump here. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. I I just think the the Rams, I think Cam Akers is going to have a really, really good year this season. And so... Oh, what? gosh. Wait, what? I think he is. What? You guys already, like, you dude, Sean like McVay Cam hates him. What? Sean McVay literally benched him already dude. for Kyron Williams. Wait, he benched him during year, week one. I mean, he, he's, 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 he's the backup. Kyron Williams. He's the backup. Already? Oh, my gosh. All right, well, that might be the most famous so, take of the season. So, so, so Klein, the, the backstory here is we have a joint run podcast uh, auction league that we do together. And this year, so last year, these two jabronis – 
made made me well made us like blow so much cap for Allen Robinson. They were like they were like, dude, we have to just keep bidding and get Allen Robinson. So they ballooned him up to like twenty plus bucks, which was probably double his value at least. We know what happened there. So then this year, not quite as dramatic, but they did the same thing with Cam Akers. We spent sixteen dollars on Cam Akers. I was trying to get James Conner at like ten bucks, Isaiah Pacheco. They said, no, 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 we can't do it, we can't do it. Then we hammer Cam Akers, and I'm like, dude, this oh, is man. an absolute disaster class. And sure enough, after one game, I can't even start him anywhere, and I am glory playing. Not, I keep saying I, but it's we, but it feels like I because, you know, it's, it's, this is every year with this stuff. So we're so excited to glory play Zach Moss at the RB2 this week. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what a disservice, though, because Cam Akers is so supremely talented. He's not. He's terrible. He's terrible. He can't catch passes. He can't pass block. He's terrible. He's not even a good runner. You're praying no, for he's a great runner. He's a dude. He's a north-south one-cut style back, and that's what you need in the NFL. You don't want the he's awful. guys that are running left and right. And he's got I, he's got speed too. He's got speed. At I will say. Achilles injuries are hard, I will grant you. That was a big injury. Maybe, you know, before the injury coming out of college, maybe. But he is awful and is – oh, my gosh. Anyway, I don't – I we got to move along. But, yeah, this whole Cam Akers saga is going to be just like last year, Zach. You and Cy just forcing me into taking Rams players I hate, and then it costs us big time. Not that not that in y'all's defense. I don't – I haven't – I know last year I suggested Gabe Davis and Brandon Cooks as alternatives. Both were busts. Um, this year we'll see if my alternatives are any better. But I do, before we do picks, just quick, like, hot fantasy takes because Klein's a big fantasy guy. So maybe I know I'm catching you off guard here. Um, Any, like, just quick, like, fantasy reactions, like Cam Akers being one um, as a complete, you know, bust. But um, starting with Klein, but cool if you have any as well, and I'll give some. Like, any just quick fantasy reactions to week one? Super quick takes. Uh, two is going to hold a top five quarterback position, or he's going to be if it is a top five quarterback. I mean, that target share, or I'm sorry, their pass rate was super high even playing against the Chargers, uh, who's basically daring teams to run against them because they're just a pass funnel, or I'm sorry, run funnel. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having weapons like Tyreek and Waddle, you know, and at the rate they're going to throw at probably throughout the year, he's, I think he's feel pretty good that he's going to finish, you know, top five quarterback there. All right. I'll give you Jameer Gibbs. If you have any chance to trade for him, do it now because he's about to explode. They The frustrating usage on Thursday was a very bizarre decision to act like he's never played a football game before in his life um, and that he needs to understand how it works. But, you know, I think starting this week he's going to explode. So that's one. But cool if you got any. I got a couple more, maybe. Yeah, I think the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars GM gambled with disaster given uh... – Christian Kirk, that big contract, if you guys catch the pun here, because Calvin Ridley has come out of nowhere, and uh, he's going to be a fantastic receiver. It's funny how recency bias can kind of get the best of us. Um, you know, I, I even, as a Falcons fan, forgot of his greatness, and he just runs at a different speed than every other player on that field. It's it's incredible to watch, so good to see him back, good to see him healthy, and um, even in a crowded Jacksonville wide receiver grouping, um, he stands out alone. So, uh, yeah, that Christian Kirk deal may not have been the greatest, but uh, welcome welcome back, Ridley. Yeah, Ridley looked amazing. Klein, what else you got? I don't have a ton here, actually, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm kind of coming up with these pretty quick, but I do think Tony Pollard is going to finish as the RB1 this year. Do no you? I, I, I have him three, dude. Dude, they did not let me draft Tony Pollard. <laughs> what? I, they, so, actually, honestly, one of my takes is that I'm a little concerned about Bijan. Um, like, the usage is going to be wild, but not being a red zone back, it's going to be hard to be, like, top five or six in fantasy. I think I still have him five, but it's going to be hard if he's not getting, like, those red zone touches. And Algier looks good, but... I have Tony Pollard. I'm conservatively still at three behind McCaffrey and Eckler. But, like, if one of those guys gets hurt, Eckler's already hurt. Tony Pollard's the slam dunk, man. He's so good. Let me give you, like, my little pitch on Pollard and and feel free to respond. I'm curious to to see why you think that. So, Pollard, to me, is not a 20-down back guy consistently. The reason he was so good was because Ezekiel Elliott was able to break down those defenses just – yard after yard, just those hard, grueling runs, which just set up those holes, especially outside on the pitches, on those um, on those stretch runs for Tony Pollard. That's where he shined. So my worry is you can't give the guy the ball 20 times a game or else he's going to get hurt. He's not quite James Cook, but he's not much bigger than James Cook. I mean, he, he also runs like a wide receiver. He doesn't have a low center of gravity. I just fear he's going to get injured if they give him too much dur- durability. So why do you think he's going to be the number one overall running back? Well, I, w- I would counter your, your Zeke points particularly with that. Even when Zeke was out and they gave him the 20 touches, he still smashed, right? Like, he's, he definitely is going to have to get there with efficiency. He's definitely going to have to get there with having the goal line roll, which is exactly what he had in week one here. Sure. So that's out the window. And he's already a, you know, a really good pass catcher. So I think all three of those combined, the fact that he's not really going to come off the field, there's nobody behind you who's really going to take away significant snaps because of their individual talent. They'll spell him and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, he's the guy in this offense. I think they do want to run the ball more, especially in neutral script situations. But this is a guy that, he, like I said, he's not coming off the field. He can do everything for this offense. And, yeah, I mean, he might only do it on 20 touches. Or he might only have those options because they probably don't want him to break down, kind of like you said. But he's proven that he's efficient enough to get it done on just those carries alone. Yeah. The fact that I went 0 for 3 on Pollard shares is uh, just killing me. I tried to stick to the board, you know. I tried to stick that's, to the board. I had that's a, why you got to get into best ball. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Anyways, um, a couple other honorable mentions. Not really fantasy. Jordan Love looked darn good, um, and now the band, the Bears fans are literally in hell about to watch Jordan Love pick him apart for the next decade because Justin Fields did not look like he's advanced as a passer at all. He did. I thought he looked awful. I heard. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the QB School on YouTube. The guy that breaks down quarterback tape, he's awesome. Um, I heard, I haven't watched it, but apparently like the film on Fields was terrible from week one. Um, so he'll be fine from a fantasy standpoint, um, at least as a serviceable QB1. But, ah, man, I'm concerned about his uh, long-term projection as a real NFL quarterback. Um, should we do picks? We should do picks. Let's get it. All right. Recapping last week, um, I'll pull up the board. Size. So size snuck out a win on Monday Night Football. Uh, bad numbers across the board. Zach, you and I were eight and eight, um, straight up, and yeah, not great. Cy was nine and seven. Tough week, as week one always is. Uh, we do have against the spread stats. Zach, you were horrendous against the spread, truly horrendous. Four and twelve against the spread. It's Cam, it's Cam uh, Akers' fault, man. Uh, you got that one right. You got that one right. But uh, four and twelve against the spread. I was seven and nine against the spread. Cy was eight and eight against the spread. Klein will be our first guest picker. Um, so we can start it off Thursday night football, Minnesota at Philadelphia. Um, 
Philly is a six and a half point favorite. I think it might be down to six, but we're going to stick with six and a half. Um, over under is 49. Uh, I'll, I'll start this off. I have Philly winning, uh, but not covering. They have some guys injured um, and out and on a short, ugly week, as Thursday Night Football always is. I'll say Minnesota covers the six and a half. McCoy? I am going to say that Philly wins and covers. And I think the key here is keeping that at, at six. The moment it goes to seven, it's going to be tough, but I, I can see this being a seven point game. Right. Philly wins and covers. Klein. You got you, Evan, you're back in primetime, Kirk. I mean, to cover the spread here. <laughs> Big mistake, that's, probably. Yeah, that, that, that's surprising. Yeah, I'm, I'll take Eagles, Eagles to cover, even on the road. All right, moving along, we got Green Bay at Atlanta, 1 p.m. Green Bay is actually a one-and-a-half-point road favorite here. Um, Over-under is 40-and-a-half. We'll start with Klein on this one. Uh, I'm going to back the Packers here. Also, yeah, it's a winning cover. Minus one-and-a-half, pretty much close, pretty much close to a pick em. Uh I was right. really impressed with Green Bay. I almost made it a, you know, one of my uh, hot takes that they would win the division and Matt Lafleur the coach of the year. So that, that was something in, in the middle there. Uh, but I was really impressed with what they had in week one, even though they played the Bears, who were terrible. Yeah, interesting. I got Atlanta money line here. I'm kind of surprised they're dogs here. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm on the Atlanta train, so I'm going to pick them to uh, to win here. Zach, you got your team? Give me Atlanta money line, baby. That The house is going to be rocking with our artificial noise and everything that caused panic, pandemonium in the stadium. So give me Atlanta money line here. I am here for it. Las Vegas at Buffalo. Um Devontae Adams just popped up on the injury report today. Let's see if that means anything. But Buffalo's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite coming off an ugly Monday night football game. Uh, Over-under is 47, so pretty high. McCulloch, start with you. Give me the Bills to win and cover. Uh, Jimmy G actually played relatively, I, I didn't think, terrible for the, the Raiders, but I just think the Raiders are going to get they're, – they're they have no promise this year. Give me the Bills in a response victory at home. Uh, they win and cover that nine-and-a-half. McClellan? Uh, sorry, who's at home here? Is is this in Vegas? It's Buffalo. Oh, it's in Buffalo. Yeah, I I still think I'm gonna go Bills to win, Raiders to cover. Nine and a half is just a lot of points. Okay. Um, I got Bills winning and covering. Yeah, not confident in that one though by any means. So, um, next game, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a three and a half point favorite at home. Over under is forty six. Klein, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, how much of a bounce back spot do you think? Is, how important of a bounce back spot do you think this is for the Bengals? And then especially if the Ravens are coming into town, I, you know, I'll take them to yeah, I'll take Bengals to win and cover. Um, good, yeah, bounce back spot for Burrow. Let's let's get after it. You know, what could go wrong? Yeah, that's they just look so horrible for me. Like I like the idea of a bounce back spot, but like Vegas, I think is giving way too many points here. So I'm gonna take Baltimore money line. I'm not the biggest Baltimore fan, but like it took Cincinnati more than a couple games last year to get it going. Um, so I'm gonna take money line, and honestly, I'm definitely taking the points, even if I'm not taking it straight up. So cool it. Man, I thought it was crazy for thinking the same thing, Ev. Thank you for uh, bailing me out here. I'm going to go Baltimore money line. Um, normally, the, the Bengals play really well against that secondary, which is surprising because the Baltimore Ravens have a great secondary. Um, but uh, those Bengals wide receivers normally get the best of them. I think that's going to change in this game. And I, I agree. I just don't think the Bengals have their mojo right now. And I think Baltimore is going to take advantage of that. So give me the ML. Well, this isn't good, Zach. We're aligning on money line picks. That is never, <laughs> never a recipe for success. Uh, moving on, moving on. I'll start us off here. It's going to be Seattle at Detroit. 
which is an interesting rematch of an early season game last year that went like 48-45 or something in Seattle's favor. Um, Detroit is a five and a half point favorite on this one, uh, coming off of the extra rest from the Thursday night game. Over under is 47. I have here Detroit uh, winning but not covering, which seems like a clown pick because I feel like they're actually going to cover that. So I'm going to stick to my no cover, but yeah, not confidently. But cool it. I think uh, that's a very appropriate picture or a picture as well that you painted, Evan. I'm going to go Detroit wins, but they do not cover five. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Detroit, um, and they're going to win, obviously, and then they are going to cover. Uh, like I said, I think Seattle's in trouble. Yeah, you know, they got a lot. Of, they do have a lot of injuries across the board already. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Chargers at Titans. Chargers are three point favorites on the road going to Nashville. Over under is forty five. Let's start with Bakulik on this one. This one is not even close to me. Um, I've got the Chargers covering that three point spread. Now this is a trap spread. This is definitely a trap spread. Much like the Bengals was a trap spread last week. There's mm-hmm. something that Vegas knows that. We don't, but um, I, I definitely expect the Titans to bounce back. Um, but I just love the Chargers' height and their passing attack. Their offense did not take one back step that entire first game. And that was against corners like Ramsey, Xavier Howard. Um, I've got the Chargers winning this game and covering comfortably, uh, minus three. All right, Klein? Going into Nashville, I do think Chargers win, but Titans cover. Um, you know, Frable's going to make this a really tough game for for the Chargers, who historically have not been the best run defense. This could be a blow-up spot for Derrick Henry. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, – yeah, I have Chargers winning and covering just because it's such a low number, but Derrick Henry could run all over him, and I could easily see the Titans winning, and I just generally hate betting the Chargers to cover because they never do. So um, I'll stick with the Chargers winning cover because I think the Titans are awful, specifically in the past game, but – um, we'll move on. Chicago at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a two and a half point favorite at home. Forty-one and a half is the over/under. Uh, we will start with Klein on this one. Tampa Bay wins, and Tampa Bay covers the spread here. Um, I was actually kind of impressed with Baker Mayfield. I've never ever liked him in his career ever, but I do think that you know Dave Canal is a guy coming from Seattle who was the quarterbacks coach and now the OC. They're putting in a good offensive scheme that is you know just going to limit Baker from doing the erratic things because sometimes he does things that are just fine um and the offense is going to be designed to get the ball into the hands of chris godwin mike evans as fast as possible and uh scheme them open so yeah i'm kind of actually you know after we won i am a little optimistic about the bucks not being one of the worst teams in the league so i will take the winning cover all right i'm following my betting strategy my week two betting strategy every year is to do the opposite of what happened last week um, and fade the results and stick to your preseason expectations. So I'm kind of bucking what makes sense here, which is Bucks winning cover. And I'm going to take Chicago money line just because I think Tampa Bay is terrible. And uh, Baker knew the plays last week and still only put up 20 points. So <laughs> not I too confident. I love that analysis so much that you were able to figure that out. It's, that's wild. Yeah, um, kind of an arbitrary pick, but I'm going to go Bears money line. Yeah, I'll be oh, quick. Sorry, can I, can I say something about the Bears real quick? Yeah. Did you guys yeah. know Nate Davis went to Stonebridge? Really? Who is like, yeah, he's like one of the Bears offensive linemen. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, he, he, like, he went to Stonebridge, like around the same time that we did. Like, I I had never heard of this guy. But here he is, like playing for the Bears. I didn't know yeah. that either. That is interesting. Yeah, I've never Good heard Good for him. him. All right. Um, 
we'll have to have them on the pod at some point. But uh, I will go Buccaneers winning cover. I'm not going to overthink this one. The Buccaneers still have their corners. Um, They still got their defense. Their linebackers are great. I still think they're going to cause a a big defensive issue for uh, Justin Fields. So I'm not going to overcomplicate this one. Bucks winning cover. All right, Kansas City at Jacksonville. Big early season AFC game. Uh, Kansas City's a three-point road favorite. Kelsey, it looks like he's going to be back. Chris Jones is definitely playing. Over-under is 51. I'm going to say KC wins and doesn't cover. Defending a Super Bowl champs rarely cover, even though it's only three. Um, and I can see the Jags outright. But I'll say Kansas City wins and not cover. Fine. Yeah, I agree with you, Evan. There's not too much more to add to that, assuming all the – you know, everyone's back for KC. All right. Zach? Give me Jacksonville money line and the over. The over here. I, I right. think ja- I think this is this going to make things really interesting if the Chiefs go 0-2. Um, give me Jacksonville money line here. I don't hate it. Um, all right, let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Let's go Indianapolis and Houston. Um, 1 p.m. game. Indianapolis is actually a one-point favorite on the road. Over-under is a, a low 39.5. Uh, let's start with Bakulik. Colts win and cover. All right. Fine. Colts win. Yeah, Colts win cover. I'm going to, again, buck uh, what seems to make sense in my head and say Houston wins this one outright. I think Damian Pierce is going to have a really good game here. Um, so we'll take we'll take Houston at home. Um, moving along, San Francisco at the Rams, 405. San Francisco is an eight-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 44.5. Let's start with Klein. That's uh, yeah. Niners to win and Rams to cover. Like like I said, from one of the games before, you know, eight's a lot of points. Yep. My new rule is to just always take San Francisco to win and cover. So I'm starting that here. <laughs> San Francisco wins right. and covers. Zach. San Francisco wins and covers, but you will see a Cam Akers touchdown just to save face after this whole podcast. Yeah, but it won't be in our fantasy lineup. I can be damn sure of that. So, um, Giants at Arizona, 405 game. Giants are five and a half point favorites. Looking for a bounce back. Over under is 39 and a half. Um, Giants winning cover for me. Klein? What, a gro- what a gross game. Awful. <laughs> I'll just say that. But uh, yeah, I'll go Giants win, Cardinals cover. All right. I'm going to say Giants win and cover. They're, they, they are so embarrassed after this last game that. Brian, the bull is going to whip them in the shape here. I think they're going to play really, really well. Giants win the cover. All right. Zach Wilson's uh, first start of the year is coming at Dallas. That'll be fun. Um, 425. Dallas is a nine-point favorite at home. Over-under is 39.5. Let's start with McCoolick on this one. Yeah, this is this is Dallas win and cover all written over it. I think this is going to be a dumpster fire for the Jets, and it's going to start week two. I love how they had the Cinderella story in the first week. I mean, the Hard Knocks kid that barely made the team scored the winning touchdown, but uh, yeah, their season's done. I've got the Cowboys winning and covering comfortably here. Klein? Yeah, Cowboys win, Jets cover. As I say, nine and a half is a lot of points for a team that I think is, you know, really, really good except for quarterback. Yeah, it's gonna be with the defense that good. Like I don't like I don't think the Cowboys' offense looks amazing right now, so it's gonna be tough. I feel like it's tough to cover that with you know such a good defense on the other side. But I'm gonna say they they build some short fields and are able to do it. I got Dallas winning and covering. Um, Washington at Denver, four twenty five. Denver is a three and a half point favorite at home. Over under is thirty eight. Let's uh, let's start with the cool look again. Evan, I'm not sure. 
if you're gonna like this or not, but uh, well, I know you're not. I've got Denver winning and covering that spread. Three right. and Yeah, it's I'm fine. cool with Denver wins and covers. I wasn't impressed with the Commanders. Really wasn't impressed with the Broncos either, but, you know. Yeah, the Broncos are also <laughs> terrible. Um, this isn't going to be a great game. Uh, I could definitely see the Washington Commanders winning this outright and playing better than they did in week one, but I'm going to try and be on a bias. So I'll say Denver wins, but I'm taking the points. I'm taking the three and a half with the Commanders. Um, Sunday night football is Miami at New England. Miami is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Over under is forty six and a half. Let's start with Klein. Uh, Dolphins win barely. Uh, Patriots cover. Interesting. I got this is a trap spread for me, you know. But if if I if what I believe about the Dolphins is true and what I believe about the Patriots is true, then they should be able to win in cover. So I'm going to take Miami to win in cover. Close though. I've got Miami winning and covering, too, and what's kind of solidified that to me, guys, is just the fact that the Dolphins played that close game with the Chargers last week, and they kind of they kind of remained in the game. They're used to playing those close games because we know the Patriots are, but I just think the Dolphins have what it takes to push over that three points. So give me the win and cover. All right, and Monday Night Football, you know, I just hate the two Monday Night Football games in Week 2. It makes no sense to me. I don't know why they chose to do that, especially with the time slots overlapping so much. Just brutal. I just want to say that. But um, And they're also not the best games. So New Orleans at Carolina, complete snooze fest. New Orleans is a three-point favorite. Over-under is 40. I got New Orleans winning and covering, but, like, who cares really about this? Zach? Uh, New Orleans wins and covers as well. Yeah, I got to the same. Yeah. Snooze. Um, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, slightly more interesting. Cleveland is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Over-under is 39-and-a-half. Let's start with uh, Klein here. Yeah, I'm really low on the Steelers, so I'm going to stick with Browns winning cover. I don't think two-and-a-half is a lot of points at all. Yeah, I want to buck my, you know, go with my usual trend of kind of fading what happened last week and doing the opposite. Um, and if I trust my preseason predictions, then that means I have to take the Steelers at home to win this, but... You know, they're playing a team with the exact same formula as the 49ers, basically. Um, and two and a half, like you said, is not a big number. So I find it hard to believe they're going to turn around this quickly. So I got to take Cleveland to win in cover as well. Give me Cleveland win in cover. They, they play well on the road. Um, if you look at their last couple of years here, they actually have a better road record than they do a home record. Um, so I'm just going to trust Cleveland here. And I actually think they're going to cover that spread to 2.5. All right, gents, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Klein can get the uh, guest pickers off to a good foot this year. But um, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, as always, for listening. Um, any honorable mentions from you guys across, not NFL, just anything you want to mention here before we close the show? Zach uh, Bakula, go first. Man, I'm excited to uh, hopefully improve my 8-8 eight eight record. That's uh, that's atrocious. That, that might be one of the worst starts that we've had so far. But looking to redeem ourselves. Normally we kind of run into this spread issue by week four because that's when Vegas has all their data and like everything's to a T. But uh, we're gonna need a, a big improvement here. Looking forward to it week two. Yeah, week week one is always super hard, but then like I feel like week two and three are the sweet spots. But I did not like the spreads this week, so we're gonna have to grind for this. But my honorable mention is JMU Dukes. Shout out all the UVA people that were calling us little brother on Twitter all week and wherever else. So wasn't pretty, but snuck out a huge comeback win. Um, and uh, Zach. Bakulik, you are next. 
um, in two years in uh, Lane Stadium. So looking forward to that. But uh, Clyde, honorable mention, close us out. Uh, I'm good. It's been really, really great to talk with you guys again and see what's going on. So it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Always great to have you. Hopefully we'll have you on again later in the year. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, everyone. That was Monday's Down South. See you after week two.